Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. If you've ever had a romantic relationship, odds are that you probably experienced some jealousy at one point or another. Jealousy is a common reaction whenever we perceive that a valued relationship is at risk. For example, if you're in a monogamous relationship, but you see your partner checking someone else out, or watching porn, or perhaps talking to an attractive coworker or stranger, these are all things that sometimes trigger a bit of jealousy. Jealousy is a complex emotion, and it's something that tends to be viewed negatively. And indeed, jealousy is often harmful to relationships, and sometimes even leads to violence. But a little bit of jealousy can actually be healthy and can sometimes lead people to behave in ways that help to maintain that relationship. And so there's actually a really interesting paradox in relationships where if there's too much jealousy, that's a problem. But if there isn't any at all, that can potentially be a problem too. So that's what today's episode is all about. We're going to discuss this complicated emotion known as jealousy. We will explore the good, bad, and ugly of jealousy how to cope with jealousy in healthy ways, and things you can do to help a partner who might be prone to high levels of jealousy. I am joined once again by Dr. Jolie Hamilton, a research psychologist, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and ASEC certified sex educator. Jolie also co-hosts the Playing With Fire podcast with her anchor partner, Ken. Her academic research focuses on how jealousy impacts our most intimate relationships. Jolie helps people create non-monogamous or creatively monogamous partnerships that are custom-built for their authentic selves. This is going to be an amazing conversation. Stick around, and we're going to jump in right after the break. If you're anything like me, you probably grew up learning that the ultimate Valentine's Day gift involves spending a lot of money on flowers, jewelry, or a fancy dinner. But if you really want to show your partner that you care, skip the material objects and give the gift of pleasure. That's why I recommend checking out Beducated, a revolutionary form of online sex education that will help you level up your sex life. Their extensive library of courses will teach you new techniques, build confidence, improve communication, and connect on a new level. You can try all of their courses today for free, and if you like what you see, you can get 50% off the yearly pass with Beducated's Valentine's Day sale by using my last name, Laymiller, as the coupon code. You can also give your partner a personalized Beducated gift card. Invest in your love life and join Beducated now from just $8.33 per month. Check the show notes for the link or visit Beducated.com and be sure to use my last name to get your discount. Okay, Jolie, let's talk about jealousy. As a starting point, let's define it because jealousy is a pretty complex emotion and it can be felt in different ways by different people. So how do you define jealousy and how is it different from other emotions that are often described as synonyms of jealousy, such as envy? Yeah. Okay. Jealousy is a protective emotion that comes up when we sense a threat, when we perceive a threat to a valued relationship with another. That's the textbook definition. I like to help people understand jealousy and differentiate it from envy by saying, when jealousy comes up, you're always going to be able to spot a triangle. It's me, my beloved, which does not have to be a romantic partner, anyone who I care about, me, my beloved, and a perceived interrupter, someone, and it's important that it's a person here, someone that we believe could break this relationship in some way that I care about. 
Now, envy is different. Envy is about longing. It is about longing to be what someone else is or have what they have. And this really, really matters because I can have envy inside of jealousy. Like you said, jealousy is a complex emotion. It's literally made of other more primal and indivisible emotions. And so if I'm looking at this perceived interrupter and comparing myself to them, then I may judge myself and find myself caught in envy at the very same time I'm also in fear and getting angry or getting sad about the actual interruption. So jealousy is super complicated and it comes out differently for different people. So you have to take a really wide angle view in order to see jealousy. But look for the triangle. Thank you for sharing that. So jealousy goes by many names, including the green-eyed monster, which is pretty telling of how people think about it. You know, it's often described as a really destructive emotion in a relationship killer, with jealous people often being seen as bad people. However, you take a different view on this. You say that jealousy itself is a neutral pattern of human behavior. So what makes you say that? Yeah, so this is super important to me. I do not agree (laughs) with the idea of jealousy being inherently bad. And I think just like if we were to judge anger or sadness as inherently bad, we lose the wisdom of that emotion when we take a negative attitude toward it. But even the APA's definition of jealousy, it starts right off, a negative affective state. And that's the most neutral way you could say that, like the neutral negative. But yeah, we grew up with cartoons where an envious character is also, you know, snarled and gnarling and nasty. So what I'm doing is working to replace, to rehome jealousy in its natural place, which is neutral because it's an emotion. It is information. It helps me interpret the sensations in my body. And when I do that, then I'm empowered to decide whether to take negative or positive action on that, that experience I'm having. It also helps us demystify jealousy because if jealousy is just natural and normal and it sits in a neutral spot, we can now start to notice jealousy and learn, oh, oh, okay, I care about this person. So I now have more information than I was ever going to have if I decided jealousy made me bad or if I decided to pin badness on someone else because they were feeling jealous. So the way that jealousy affects a given relationship really depends on what the person who is experiencing it decides to do with that emotion. So as you said, jealousy is information and we can decide what we want to do with that information. Now, while jealousy itself may be neutral, people often take this emotion to a really negative and sometimes dangerous place. So what are some of the bad places that jealousy can lead us in a relationship? Yeah, I would be completely remiss to overlook the fact that I've seen studies done recently that show somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of domestic violence reports have some element of jealousy somewhere in if you code them, right? There it is. Jealousy can absolutely instigate someone to choose violence. So we have to notice that. We have to pay attention to it. And that has a lot to do with how we have culturally chosen to interact with jealousy, Jealousy has been an excuse for bodily harm and murder as recently as the 80s in some states in the U.S. Jealousy has been seen as proof of love. And therefore, when someone reacts or acts violently or dangerously, some people will defend that action. 
there is nothing we can do as a culture about that unless we take seriously the fact that it's not the jealousy, it's the person. We have to. We would not say, well, that person was really angry and that's why they murdered someone. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's not the excuse. So it's the same with jealousy. You can feel jealousy phenomenally intensely. It makes sense that you do. I can talk about how it's hardwired and how it goes all the way back to your infancy. And none of that is an excuse. And if we culturally shift that and start talking about jealousy very normally and start to talk about jealousy with children, start to talk about it in relationships as a completely normal phenomenon, then we get to own our jealousy again and say, whoa, this is big and this is challenging. And now I'm going to apply all the same tools that I would apply for anger, for sadness, for grief, for anxiety. I'm going to apply those same tools because jealousy is holding all of those other emotional components. Yeah. So that's one example of how jealousy can take us to a pretty dark place. But I think there are lots of other ways that it can lead to serious problems in the relationship, including jealousy prompting people to start basically putting surveillance on their partners and watching their every move. And then that leads to repeated conflicts and so forth, right? So we know that that often happens a lot. But something else I've heard you talk about is how jealousy can often lead people to kind of lash out at themselves. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, thanks for mentioning the surveillance because that is huge too. And When someone is caught in that surveillance behavior, the monitoring behavior, yeah, a lot of people do turn on themselves or they'll vacillate wildly between feeling completely justified in, yes, I get to surveil. Yes, I get to monitor. I get to control my partner or at least verify that they are behaving the way I expect them to. But then the pendulum of their emotional reactivity swings back the other way and they may find themselves torn to shreds. It is really easy to imagine that I am a bad person when I feel jealousy or that somehow jealousy is an unevolved emotion, right? And there are some communities, I mean, I am part of the non-monogamy community as if it were one monolith. It's not, but I am. And I've heard it. I've had it pointed at me. If you're jealous, you're unevolved. You just need to evolve beyond it. And all of those things lead us to turn on ourselves and forget that the jealousy itself has to be taken for what it is. It's big. And since it's tapping into this really infantile neurology, right? Like it's tapping into our our desire to be connected to the most valued other we have when we're infants, which is our caregiver, whoever's providing us nourishment and safety. It makes sense that when we get triggered into jealousy, sometimes we react as if we were our toddlers. And if you have any self-awareness at all, that easy can turn into a shame spiral. And anytime we've got shame, now we've got this big wet blanket we just threw all over jealousy. So we don't even get to the layers under the jealousy because now we've got to deal with the shame. So if you're struggling with shame around jealousy, I want to personally invite you to relax your grip. You don't have to white knuckle it through jealousy, but we do need to talk about it. And we need to not assume that just because you're feeling it, that you're justified, but we also need to allow you to investigate in an appropriate way, whether you feel safe in your relationships. It's complicated stuff. (laughs) Very complicated indeed, but so many important points there. Now, on the flip side, much has been said and written about how a little bit of jealousy can actually be good for a relationship. It might even be healthy. So what are some examples of ways in which a little bit of jealousy can potentially benefit a relationship? 
Well, I'm going to start with the fun and juicy one, which is jealousy can be a turn on. So it can be a kink. It can be a kink. If you experience arousal during jealousy and you understand how to negotiate for arousing scenes or play, great, awesome. Jealousy can be just part of your toy bag and you can treat it as such. On the other hand, it depends on the relationship structure you're choosing, what place jealousy might have, and then really, what meaning do you make out of it? Usually what I find is people have a presumption that the meaning that they make of jealousy is shared by everyone around them. So often, when jealousy actually comes up, when it erupts, because that's what it usually does, it's like holding a beach ball underwater, it rushes to the surface at a time we're not expecting it, and we now have to deal with the fact that Not only do we have this jealousy and all this heightened arousal of good, bad, and horrid, but we also have confusion because if jealousy is also proof of love, well, then I want some, but we seem to want this like Goldilocks amount of jealousy and our partner often doesn't agree on what the Goldilocks amount is or what should or shouldn't provoke that right amount. So we really have to allow ourselves to talk about this, not just in our intimate partnerships, but in our friendships, in our communities, and not just in non-monogamous communities, in our regular day-to-day. Like, I wish I could go back to my early friendships and just talk about jealousy, talk about what it feels like to be afraid that someone else is going to interrupt my connection. If we normalize that, then it's possible to find that sweet spot. And potentially for you, if you can get to a spot where your um, your bandwidth overlaps with your partner, maybe you can play with jealousy. And in fact, that's where I try to keep it. I, I don't try to get rid of jealousy because from my perspective, it's archetypal. It's just going to be there. It's not going anywhere. And so I don't try to get rid of it. I just try to see if I can get my bandwidth to line up with my partners so that we can enjoy it. And then we can recover when it becomes not enjoyable. Yeah. I think you make a lot of really great points there. One being that there's kind of this paradox when it comes to jealousy in romantic relationships where too much jealousy is usually a problem, but too little jealousy can also kind of be a problem, right? So people want that Goldilocks, the the just right amount of jealousy that doesn't lead people down these very destructive paths of surveillance and violence and anger and instead leads more to, well, I know my partner really wants me and that's hot. That's a turn on, right? So it's an interesting paradox. And But I think finding that sweet spot is pretty hard to do because people are coming into relationships with different propensities for jealousy or different baseline levels of it. And so for some people, finding that optimal level of jealousy is going to be a heck of a lot harder than others. And I'm sure this is something you see in your own practice that, you know, people just have drastically different levels of jealousy, right? Yeah. I think of it as a tolerance threshold. Where is yours? A common scenario in my work is I'll be interviewing someone and I'll say, I'll ask them to describe the right amount of jealousy if they've already told me that there is a right amount. And they will almost always say, well, you know, because they assume that we all share that that same threshold. So it's challenging to know how to even begin talking about this in a way that makes it clear to our partner how we could, (laughs) how can I get to that that sweet spot? And then we're going to change. 
If I have, um, let's say infidelity happens, all of a sudden my jealousy meter may be completely altered and it may be permanently altered. Or let's just say I start exploring openly and as I explore, I realize that working with jealousy is something I can tolerate. Maybe my partner's having a lot harder time tolerating it and adjusting and finding the tools to navigate it. We can find that even though before we could get on that same page, it's really, really hard. And this is where we have to give each other a lot of grace because when jealousy comes up, if I'm cast into a state where I'm no longer really able to participate in my own self-care, which happens for some people, it can feel like I have to put the brakes on everything else in my relationship. And that's incredibly hard. No matter what your relationship structure, it's just so hard to feel like this one thing keeps coming up over and over again. And sometimes it's not because of any one specific move. Like jealousy can be sparked by a a million different things. Yeah. And as you were talking about this, I was starting to mentally go down the rabbit hole of, you know, the intersection between attachment style and jealousy and how different attachment combinations in a relationship, part of the reason why they might be complicated is because you've got different baseline levels of jealousy that go along with different attachment styles. And so if you've got an anxiously attached person who might get jealous or triggered by jealousy very easily, who's partnered with an avoidantly attached person who doesn't really get jealous, you know, that's going to be a really tough place to find that optimal level. Right. And I would even go so far as to say someone who is has most of their strategies are avoidant style, right? They may not recognize jealousy. It took my my current anchor partner, it took him about 10 years to recognize what jealousy feels like in his body because his strategies are avoidant. And so they effectively removed him from the situation before he could get to know it. Since my strategies tended to be anxious, right? I was very aware of what would trigger jealousy, but I also had better tools because I'd been working with it actively. So his would go subterranean. So I would say it's it's multi-layered because we can also just be avoiding the feeling. And then sometimes we can't avoid it because it's just there altogether. Attachment style is one way to help us understand what our reactions might be in a situation. But I always want people to look at what their history is as well. What did you grow up seeing? A common scenario is I grew up seeing one parent cheat and the other destroyed. And so now I'm terrified, even though it hasn't happened in my life, I am terrified We've got to be really patient around learning about jealousy, but we also can't just expect it to work. We're not having the conversation. So it's normal that jealousy causes these big disruptions. We're not talking about it. Yeah, fascinating. And yeah, I mean, so some people who might say that they don't experience jealousy, maybe they just don't get vulnerable enough in order to experience it because they have learned to avoid those kinds of emotional reactions. And, you know, it's also the case that some people who say they don't experience jealousy eventually do experience it later. You know, so a lot of people in consensually non-monogamous relationships will say, I don't experience jealousy, I only experience compersion, uh, which is taking pleasure in your partner's pleasure. And, you know, that's true for many people, but some of them later on, develop jealousy. And it's a new and kind of like foreign emotion to them. So just because you don't experience it now doesn't mean that you're not going to experience it later. Yeah. I always say like, if you haven't felt it, I mean, just remember you're not dead yet. (laughs) Emotions are just there. And it's shocking to me how different I feel now from 10 years ago, 10 years before that, how we make sense out of jealousy. 
it will change. And so there are things also that you might not label jealousy in one relationship, but in another, you might. There can also just be a change in your your need, what your baseline needs are from a partner. And sometimes with my non-monogamous clients, they felt very free and open and they didn't feel like they needed to have any sort of security is not quite the right, right word, but it might be the word we would use in colloquial talk. That sense of security, I'm home. They didn't need that. Then they hit a spot when all of a sudden it feels like they do. And now jealousy shows up, but they don't even know to name it jealousy because for 15 years they've been saying, I don't feel jealous. I just don't feel it. So I'm a permission giver. If jealousy shows up at any point, I encourage you to let yourself imagine into what if, what if this were jealousy? Because usually people are like, well, what if? Uh, That's a problem. I don't know what to do with jealousy because we don't actually, we don't talk it through. It's not insurmountable though. Yeah. Love that perspective. Now, let's say you're in a relationship and you experience jealousy often and intensely, and it's leading you to act out in ways that are destructive to yourself, to your partner, and to your relationship. Now, I know you've said that you don't really think it's possible to get rid of jealousy or just switch it off entirely, but you can find better ways to deal with it. What are some examples of ways that you can learn to manage your jealousy in a healthier way? I know this is like going to be a hard thing for a lot of people to relate to because jealousy can be such an intense thing. So how can you try and work past that, deal with it in a healthier way? Yeah. The first thing you need to do is slow down. Jealousy makes you, it convinces you that you're in an emergency situation because as an infant, you are, this is an emergency if you are abandoned. So slow down. And once you slow down, now I want to know, have you actually engaged with anyone who can support you around this without simply blaming a partner? There are real things, we've already talked about them, that would need to be talked through, worked through, like real relationship stuff that needs to be negotiated or completely ended if it's really bad. But most of the time, pointing our fingers out and blaming someone else and asking them to change their behavior so that we feel different doesn't work. First off, people are terrible at controlling their behavior for other people. And second, yeah, sometimes that control then just tightens down again, right? And so now I need even more control and more control and more control. So after I've slowed down, I want to surround myself with at least a few people who can talk about jealousy as a normal, completely reasonable thing to feel that I might be feeling to an unreasonable degree right now. And rather than suggest, oh, They've got to change their behavior rather than, you know, start just trash talking each other or the relationship. Start looking for really thoughtful ways we can deal with emotions. It's always the same stuff, right? The same way you would deal with anxiety, the same way you would deal with big anger. Let's start by engaging with your nervous system regulation. Let's start making sure that you have support systems. And let's just see if you are hyper stressed everywhere else. Because if your life life is incredibly stressful, all your other emotions can be out of control. Jealousy does have, there are some specific cases. I mean, I, I actually broke it down to, into five steps that people seemed to be using over and over again. When I would interview people who were really managing jealousy well, there is a path that they tend to follow. But the very beginning is always about slowing down and then not demonizing the jealousy or the relationship because we got to get curious about it first. Yep. 
it's an important place to start. It's hard work, right? I know because when you experience those emotions and they're so strong and you're in that fight or flight state, it's really hard to focus on anything else or to think rationally. And But you do need to find ways to cope and deal with that in a healthier way so that it doesn't cause so many problems in your own life and relationship. Now, in an ideal world, We'd all take some personal responsibility for our feelings and choose what to do with them, but that's not always the case. So let's say you're not the jealous person, but you're partnered with somebody who has serious jealousy issues. Is there anything you can do to help your partner get a better handle on their jealousy? Yeah, there's actually a ton. Thank you for asking because I don't get asked that very often. One of the things you can do is You listen to this conversation and remember, jealousy is normal. Okay, so we replace jealousy into just this normal, okay, it might be an extreme instance of jealousy coming out of your partner, but let's renormalize it. So I want people to start talking about jealousy without any blame and just say like, I see jealousy. So we need to change the way we language it. And often that's really hard because we always talk about jealousy about the situations that are happening. We, we put it in the context of our relationship. And so now we're instantly finger pointing or our partner just feels like, it feels like they're always blaming us as if we're making them feel jealous. And that is excruciating. If my partner's constantly blaming me for their feelings, I, I can get exhausted real fast. So yep. I wanna back out a level. The first conversations I wanna have, and not just one, several conversations. I wanna start talking about jealousy in a meta conversational level. So I want to watch a movie where there's a scene that seems to be all wrapped around jealousy. It's not going to be hard. Every rom-com is basically a jealousy tale. And I want to talk about that. Talk about it out there. So get it outside of your relationship. Talk about a scene, talk about a book you've read, or talk about, honestly, even situations in your past. If you can tolerate that, that would be like the next level. Talk about situations and how jealousy has gone in the past before you talk about what's happening right now. It is not easy. I do not mean in any way to say that this is easy, but if I can take that to the meta level and start to normalize the conversation about jealousy, now I can start to get a handle on just how complicated it is. And if I'm a really low jealousy person, like I tend to just not be very reactive, even if I am feeling it, it's just not a big deal. It may be that I've been minimizing the jealousy and the things that my partner is feeling as jealousy producing, I might be minimizing them and therefore actually turning up the dial unconsciously without ever realizing it. So if we can start to have conversations about what jealousy is, what it looks like in relationships, what constitutes jealousy, like what would constitute appropriate jealousy? What is the right amount? Start talking about it out there. Now I have the possibility of understanding that, oh, we actually just define this completely differently. We feel it completely differently. Okay, so this is now it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to know my partner better and to differentiate from them and to recognize that their feelings are theirs. And while not taking responsibility for them, I can still show up fully to their experience. Like, this is hard. That would be a great time to involve a couples counselor. Like, right then. Yeah, so jealousy is not hopeless. And whether you're the one who's experiencing it or your partner is experiencing it, there is a lot that you can do to try and deal with that in healthier ways. And sometimes consulting with a therapist, sex therapist, relationship therapist, couples therapist, whatever, depending on kind of your situation, can be very helpful in 
processing that because sometimes the roots of jealousy run very, very deep. And sometimes we need that guidance of a licensed professional. Now, we're running short on time, but I have one other question for you if you're comfortable sharing it, which is if jealousy has ever been a big issue for you in your relationships in the past, and if so, how you learned to cope with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Enormous. Um, (laughs) I jumped from monogamy to polyamory overnight, literally, one day. It's a long, sordid story because I didn't know what I was doing to the point that I did not know the word polyamory, even though I moved into a triad situation. The move we made was to ban the word jealousy. The people I moved in with, they had been open for years, decades actually, but they they did don't ask, don't tell. So they never needed to talk about it. Since we were living together, obviously jealousy was going to enter the chat. So we banished it. That did not work. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that that is why I later wrote a dissertation on it and why I continue to research it now. Because I actually invoked, I called jealousy in closer by banishing it, by putting it in the shadow. And what I've done over the years is continually invite myself to be in jealousy without presuming that it means anything. So sometimes that means actually white knuckling it through a night while my partner's on a date. Yep, it does. Sometimes that means trying to get off on it, which sometimes works awesome. Thank goodness. (laughs) Right. Just getting off on it. If we can make it into a kink, why not? And sometimes it means realizing that it's time to renegotiate some aspect of a relationship that I have because not every relationship really functions well around jealousy. So I've learned to sometimes say, yeah, this isn't a good fit because the the way jealousy plays out in this relationship just isn't a good match. Um, And we just don't have the time to invest because it's always going to be about time at that point. It took me about seven years to really work through jealousy to a degree that I felt completely comfortable with it coming to uh, hang out for a while with me. But it is possible. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. And I think a lot of people can relate to what you said, you know, especially the part about kind of like pretending that jealousy doesn't exist. This has me thinking about the broader literature and social psychology on thought suppression. And when we try not to think about something, that just makes us think about it even more. And so if you're trying to suppress thoughts of jealousy, that's not going to be a healthy way to cope with it. And there's research showing that when people engage in more of this thought suppression about thoughts that they don't want to have, it is damaging to your mental well-being, to your psychological health. So Trying to run away from jealousy or pretend it doesn't exist is not the answer. Instead, we need to find healthier ways of coping with it. Yeah, here, here. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Jolie. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work? Yeah. So the easiest way to learn about my work is to follow me on Instagram, actually. If you follow me, Dr. Jolie underscore Hamilton, it's D-R-J-O-L-I underscore Hamilton, like the musical. That's the easiest way to find out what I'm up to. And when I'm talking about jealousy there, I'm making it really personal. So I invite people to tell me what's going on because I practice now applying the research to jealousy. So you don't have to. (laughs) You can just get the application handed to you. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for your important work. I'll be sure to link to your social handles and website in the show notes. 
Thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology, at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. <laughs>